millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Lego Masters. Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. And today we have a very exciting exclusive interview with Jay and Stani. Zoe, how lovely were they? Jay and Stani were the best. It was so much fun interviewing them and getting to chat everything Lego. They gave us a lot of cool insights into the show and things that we missed. So can't wait for you to hear it. Jay and Stani are joining us. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Zoe. How are you? Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today and talking to us. Unfortunately, you were recently eliminated, which was really hard for us because you were some of our uh, picks to win at the start and definitely a crowd favorite. Um, how was your Lego Masters experience? Would you do it again? Did you have the best time? Uh, yeah, look, we had a fantastic time on Lego Masters. We got to build some amazing Lego and make some amazing new friends in the Lego community. Yeah, we spoke to Annie recently and she just like raves about everyone and just said, you, you're all like best friends and you become so close. That was so nice to hear because that's exactly how it looks on the show. Yeah, it actually comes across very similar to how it is in real life. I mean, we certainly from day one were going out to dinner together or jumping into group photos. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's so nice. Did you guys have a favourite build? Yeah, I think we had our favourite build. I think it was the hanging brick build. Was I think it was one of our favourites, uh, just because of the complexity of it, and it was one of Jay's uh, childhood sort of uh, imagination imaginations coming alive. Yeah, in Lego bricks. That build is certainly close to my heart. I drew that particular biosphere or planetoid many times over the years. Uh, I was constantly just drawing it and in different iterations so it was kind of a a dream to bring that to life so yeah really cool yeah that's amazing plus i got the chance to build a geodesic dome out of lego which was pretty fun (laughs) um something we noticed on the show a lot was that you guys kind of became the tower kings uh do you guys normally build that many big towers or was it just a weird coincidence oh uh, yeah i do i do uh, build a lot of towers um i seem to like making towers yeah. and skyscrapers it's one of my sort of things i guess and uh yeah to have that sort of challenge come up as well it was just perfect for me. yeah and jay as well <laughs> yeah look um i'm i'm always there helping stani out building his his city and things like that so yeah, we're certainly comfortable building towers. And we noticed that when the brief sort of did have like a build a really tall tower, everyone was kind of like, Jay and Stani have got this. Did you find that the other teams kind of also had really prominent strengths or weaknesses like that? Like were there any other challenges where you're like, oh, Trent and Josh or Jen and Jody have got this? Uh, I think specifically when it came to the 3D art build, I was straight away Jackson and Alex were my pick for that because of their, you know, uh, uh, Jackson's heavy art background. But I think 
I guess not technically in any specific area. There are a couple of really good character builders there. I mean, Tim and Danny did some amazing character and sculpting work with their anglerfish and things like that. So, yeah, people certainly had their strengths, but we, you know, certainly were known as tower builders and going high. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, speaking of towers, we noticed on your Instagram you were talking about your Rapunzel build. Uh, you mentioned you had a few Easter eggs that hinted at other nursery rhymes that we really didn't get a great look at on TV. What were some of those? Yeah, so we built our, our Rapunzel Tower and then I had the idea to sort of throw in a bunch of, um, so that was our fairy tale, but I had the idea to throw in a bunch of nursery rhymes as Easter eggs. So we had a little egg, which was a literal egg, which was Humpty Dumpty. We had Jack Horner sitting in the corner. We had Round Around the Mulberry Bush. We had Row, Row, Row Your Boat. We had Jack Jumps Over the Candlestick. Yeah, so I think we put in the end about seven of those little nursery rhyme nods in there. Wow. Yeah, it didn't get much of a play. (laughs) (laughs) Something I also tried to put in... Unfortunately, they didn't have any purple flowers in Lego, but I did a like a pink flower bed, which was supposed to represent the original Rapunzel plant that was stolen in the original oh. fairy tale. That's a real fairy tale deep cut you've got there. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> did you have details that were like that in other builds that you really wish got some more screen time on the show so people could appreciate? One specific one for me was probably the dragon that I made on the Viking tower uh, at the Viking fort. I put a little dragon up on the top in the last hour or so, and it did get some airtime, but I really loved that one. There was so many little details in the hanging brick. So on our planetoid, we had everything from toxic waste dripping off the side to little cars, little trucks collecting the toxic waste and driving it around with the creatures attacking it. Uh, so many buildings, and we actually put lights in a whole bunch of those mini buildings that we had on our little city. Oh. So they were all like powered lights. So they were all cool little details. That's amazing. Oh, that sounds so cool. And I, I noticed they briefly showed on the show you had built a little monorail throughout the city as well, which was probably my favorite detail. There's tons of stuff going on. Yeah, Stani built the little monorail. I was super impressed with that one. <laughs> yeah, that just came out of left field, that one. Just, <laughs> that's a building going, hey. Why not put a monorail in there? And, it, and <laughs> what says future more than monorail? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there is something about a monorail that definitely feels like Tomorrow World Future sort of vibes. Oh, yeah, definitely, 100%. Oh, one question that's been weighing on my mind since we saw it on TV, what game was on the Game Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Should I give that away? No, yeah, it was a Tetris cartridge. Oh. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty thrilled when it actually, Stani actually got it to turn on. So <laughs> had to have a good 60 seconds of playing Tetris just to get into the, <laughs> the feel of it. Oh, yeah, that, that's vital research. It's all about the feel of the object. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's the vibe. <laughs> Once you had picked the Game Boy, did you, did you go, yes, good choice? Or was it one of those cases where you picked the Game Boy and you took it back to your work table and then you immediately looked over and said, ah, oh, we should have picked something else. Like, how'd you feel about it? Oh, I, I, we picked it up. We took it back to the table. We looked at it and it's like, oh, wow, this has actually got a few curves and different angles. And to put all of this into such something so compact is going to be really difficult. Yes and no, I will say. So, yes, definitely we got it back to the table and I was like, there's a lot more curves and details than I remember, you know, was looking at when we first picked it. But I also think... As I looked at those other objects, I thought, I still don't, I still think this is better than building a rotary telephone. How do you build a, like a cord for a phone out of Lego? And same again with the roller skate, I thought, you know, 
I still think the Game Boy was easier to build than a roller skate, but it certainly had a lot of complexities in it. <laughs> and you guys had some genius solutions to some of those complexities. Like on the show, they talked about the uh, using the hats as buttons and then the way you came up with the new Lego color by combining a transparent block and an opaque block for the Game Boy screen. Was there anything else like that on the Game Boy that they didn't show that was also like a really specific genius solution that you guys had to come up with? There was certainly a lot of technical issues around the bottom right-hand corner, which is where the speaker is. There's little slanted areas. There's the speaker sort of slots and a curve. And and all of that stacking up in one location meant that that was – Brickman alluded to a lot of like that sacrifices have to be made uh, until you sort of – you know it gets a cascading effect. You can't get every detail into one location with Lego. Um, the, personally, I absolutely loved the back of the Game Boy. Stani put a huge amount of work into where the serial number sticker was, where the actual ridging on the back of the Game Boy was, where the battery plate was. It certainly got glossed over in the show, but I think there was heaps of detail there that Stani really worked hard on. Awesome. Yeah. And no, it definitely looked really good. And like with all the builds, I just wish that we had a chance to see it in person and pick it up and look at it because I imagine there'd be so much appreciation for all the bits and pieces that went into it if you actually got to see it for more than just a couple minutes on TV. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how much you don't get to spend much time looking at sometimes even your own models, but especially everyone else's models. Because the shooting schedule is so tight, you finish up, there's a lot of crew there, they just, you know, they want to get it out the room so they can start shooting hero shots. You want to just hang out there and spend the next couple of hours just looking at everyone's builds and seeing how amazing they are. But you kind of got to move on to the next one. Yeah, they shuffle you out of the room pretty quickly. Which is completely understandable. But, you know, you always want to spend another hour looking at them all because every single one of them had so many details in them. If they didn't take one of your builds apart and you got to take it home, which one would it have been? Oh, the planetoid. Yeah, I think the planetoid. But, like, you know, it's very big and hard to move around. <laughs> the, the Game Boy would have been a lot easier to give to us, but... Trust me, I'm used to moving lots of Lego, so I'm sure I can handle it. <laughs> yes, you are. Let's talk about the uh, potentially controversial New York love scene that you built for the 3D art challenge. I was such a huge fan of the way you guys emulated a light fall off in the photo. So you had darker bricks on the outside simulating um, a couple standing underneath the street light and, and making it look like you could sort of see the kind of that light. Brickman maybe wasn't as a big of a fan of the overall piece. Looking back on it now and, and seeing how the episode played out, how do you guys feel about that build? I love it. Um, it was it was sort of my idea. It had bumped around. We struggled with an idea for this one because we really wanted to focus on the art side and we wanted to do something out of our comfort zone. So a love scene was certainly something I thought people wouldn't expect of us. Um, the light cone thing is an idea that sort of had been floating around in my mind for a while. Brickman was very skeptical that I could do it, um, but I, I was pretty adamant that like it was going to work. Obviously, it did work, but it just didn't fit the uh, jumping out 3D brief that they were looking for. As a piece of Lego and a, a Lego model, I absolutely love how it came out. And Stani did just a, 
amazing job pulling off that light fall off in that backdrop. <laughs> oh, thanks, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely beautiful. And I think you're right, it was unexpected. I think when I was taking notes on the episode and you said what you were doing, I think my exact words that I wrote down were, this is unexpected from them. <laughs> That's good. That's what we were going for. <laughs> I actually have a really cool idea of the potential of using that same idea, but from a top down and it's like a, a full-on festival, like a music festival at night. And it's just like a massive stage with light falling off and then all full-color minifigs and then darker minifigs and then just a sea of black minifigs. So the stage is like casting light out onto all the characters. I thought that would look cool. <laughs> so have you guys known each other for a while and been building together for a while or was the show the first time you ever had to collaboratively create something together? Nah, well, me and Jay have been building Lego since we were seven. Not so much these days because we've got a family. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely when we were younger, we used to play Lego all the time. So we've been friends since around seven. It could have been before that. Um, we grew up, our parents were both marketeers at Paddington Markets in Sydney. And um, yeah, as soon as we found out that both of us liked Lego, we pretty much just built from then on together. That's such a nice, um, like a nice thing to share even in, into your adulthood. Yes. Absolutely. Stani still gets me Lego for pretty much every birthday. One of my favorite <laughs> recent ones was uh, Voltron. Ah. Oh yeah, that's pretty sick. We've noticed that it's a lot of the challenges, they're interpreted really differently, especially that 3D challenge. Is it hard at times with Brickman being the only judge to kind of balance doing things that you know he'll appreciate or you know he'll, he's looking for, but also just wanting to do what you want to do? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's a competition. You're trying to build something that is going to win you the challenge to get to the next stage. Speaking to this, I probably indulged myself a little bit in the light cone in the, in the 3D art <laughs> challenge, because probably because we couldn't think of anything else that fit the art bill. You know, we could have certainly built a robot smashing through the screen, but then to us, that wasn't speaking art. So we were yeah. worried that that was going to get us kicked out. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you're constantly battling between what you think, hoping Brickman will love and what you want to just build. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that would be kind of difficult to balance. I truly have to take my hat off to him because I can't imagine how hard it is to make those calls. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I do think you feel that when you're watching this show, like you feel that every time he has to uh, even just criticise a build and every time he has to eliminate someone like it, it feels like it weighs so heavily on him. It, it certainly does. A question that you may not know the answer to, but do you know if Brickman knew that you were going to be coming back for a, a chance to come back into the competition? Because he was visibly upset, you know, was that, was that real? <laughs> as far as I know, he knew nothing about that. As far as I know, virtually most of the crew knew nothing about that. Whether or not the producers knew and were keeping that under their hat, I'm not sure. But it seemed like nobody knew because even people off camera who were quite high up seemed very upset that we were leaving. It was also the first time that Lego Masters Australia has ever had, you know, a surprise returning challenger like this in, in any sort of way. How did it feel that you guys <laughs> were the first people to be able to potentially reclaim your stake? Shocked, I think. I think we were definitely shocked. Uh, when they told us, we thought they were joking. And then um, and when we actually uh, realised that they actually being serious, it was like, oh, wow. And then they, they told us we have to go to the hotel, pack all our stuff, 
come back to the studio, they're going to fly us home for a bit and then come back and we can't tell anyone, so we had to lie to the rest of the contestants, which made us feel really bad as well. So. Oh, no. <laughs> Because they helped us pack the car as well, but we couldn't tell them. Oh, <laughs> we couldn't tell them what was going on. <laughs> Everyone came to see us off. They were all like trying to help us pack the car, and we were like, "Yeah, yeah, cool, throw it in there. We're gonna go." Like, and then running away, <laughs> just like waving, like, "Yeah, great. It was lovely to see you on." Running away so that we could get on our plane to go home to come back a few days later. <laughs> and then with that challenge, it was the only time where you've had a gallery of contestants watching you build. Was did that throw you off at all? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It was very stressful to have everyone sitting up there just watching. They were all extremely encouraging, but just to have that micro view of everyone just staring at what you're doing and sort of making comments on, oh, oh, look at those hats they're using. Oh, look at that thing they're using. It's like, you know, it was definitely hard to have that happening in the background. It's like with the hanging brick as well when uh, the first hour when everyone was just watching it, it was just like, oh, God, it feels so uncomfortable. (laughs) We constantly would sit in the green room uh, waiting between breaks or when you're getting mic'd up and there was a sequin pillow. You know those pillows you can like draw (laughs) pictures on sequin and everyone (laughs) would draw amazing things, faces, Lego bricks, hands. Yeah, it was it was the sequin pillow certainly took up lots of time. As well as you know, and the um, whiteboard, yeah, the whiteboard. The whiteboard by the end was filled up with all kinds of hilarious comments and pictures from Danny and Jackson, and you know, the stuff you do while you're waiting. I mean, awesome, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us today and giving us so much of your time. Thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot, Prente and Zoe. Thank you. You're listening to Lego Masters. Deconstructed. Thanks so much for listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you're using. We'll release an episode for every episode of the TV show discussing what happened, and we also have exclusive interviews like this one. Feel free to check out our interviews with Summer and Diona and Annie already. If you want to get in touch with us, tell us your thoughts. If you have any questions for contestants that we haven't yet interviewed, feel free to send them through on Instagram. My handle is Zoe Peck underscore. And mine is Parente Swag King. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.